Welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. In this episode, I get to speak with Brenda McMorrow again. This is her second time on the podcast. I'm super excited to catch up with her. Brenda is a singer-songwriter, chant artist, and workshop retreat facilitator whose greatest calling is to share experiences that support the opening of both the mind and the heart. Brenda is known for her unique and warmly embracing style of mantra music in which she blends elements of acoustic folk, world rhythms, and ancient Indian chants with a sweetly introspective singer-songwriter's sensibility. I want to interject in this bio for a moment because I mentioned this in our last podcast, but the way that I know Brenda is briefly through meeting her like, like the kind of like two ships passing in the night at a Bhakti Fest event. Somehow I offered for her to stay at my place in LA while she was touring and so because it was going to be empty anyway so she stayed at my place and that's kind of how we um, we know each other so that's sort of a fun meet cute. Um, Yoga Journal describes Brenda as having a knack for expressing the deepest realizations in the sparsest lyrics. Ooh, that's a pretty quote. As spiritual teacher Ramdas has said, Brenda has a gift, and with five celebrated albums and numerous singles, her music has been touching people's hearts across the planet with over 13 million streams on Spotify alone. And in addition to being a recording and world touring musician, Brenda McMorrow has degrees in both English literature and education. She is a registered yoga teacher and enlightenment intensive facilitator is a student and practitioner of Advaita Vedanta, non-duality, and Bhakti Yoga, Yoga of Love and Devotion. Brenda's mission is to help bring more peace, understanding, and well-being to the world by supporting individuals in realizing their true nature. All right, well, let's get into it. Here we go. Okay, so before we get into our chat with Brenda, I wanted to start a habit of reading your reviews and comments on the podcast. So I wanted to read a comment that Katrine Wheeler left on YouTube. She says, thank you to share your experiences, perspectives, and wise conclusions. Good luck in your new beginning. Oh, and this was on the new New Zealand New Beginnings episode that I did last week. Uh, Good luck in your new beginning new chapter of life all is related in life and we are all related a bunch of cool emojis sometimes a separation is the best in protecting yourself i fully agree by experiencing yes absolutely thank you so much for that feedback so without further ado let's get into the episode hi (laughs) hi how are you i'm doing really well so good to see you it is really good to see you and it's been a while so i imagine that there's a lot to chat about Um, I don't think that it quite dawned on me because I wasn't reading people's bios when I was doing the podcast with you, um, that you have two degrees in uh, English literature and education. Is that? That's right. Yes. University of Western Ontario, now called Western in London, Ontario. Hmm. So has that like, was that sort of like um, a passion that you had that you, you kind of diverge from or was that like sort of your practical mind and then you decided to follow your passion or like what what kind of happened there (laughs) the latter (laughs) the latter (laughs) i um yeah there was a part of me that thought it would be a really wise idea to get a degree um even though being a musician was totally all i wanted to be but 
I also really loved literature. I loved to read and, and while I was in high school, English was my best subject. And so it just sort of followed. And I came from a family of a lot of my extended family were teachers. So once I got my my Bachelor of um, English, my, my Bachelor of Arts degree, I went for um, a second degree um, in education. It just seemed to make sense. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm glad I have those. I learned some things. <laughs> Um, I read some great books <laughs> and, um, and really though, uh, it's, um, my degree in, um, in, in life has been, <laughs> has really furthered me in terms of my career. So I didn't study music, um, but, um, you know, that was, all of that was, uh, by ear and through just experience. And that, that really was the way that my, my life was supposed to go the direction. Um, so, but, you know, ha having taught, and then I taught for a little while, I was, you know, gigging at night. And this is when I was playing more like sort of in the bar scene and folk festivals and universities and things like that. I would teach during the day doing um, mostly substitute teaching. And, and, and that was a great skill actually to develop and has, helped me in my um my life my other part of my life which which includes you know leading workshops and retreats so that it's all been a benefit i think anything we do really benefits us in our path what and sometimes it's just maybe just to show us oh right that's not the thing you're supposed to be doing full time and sometimes there's skills that we learn and and that's yeah i'm grateful for those yeah those yeah. So you mean like the skill of being able to gig at night and then show up in the morning for, for something? Still be able to show up? No, I think, well, I mean, that's actually a good point. Um, but what I was referring to was just the skills of um, leading a class. Mm. Oh, I guess. And, you know, they were kids varying in ages. But, you know, learning all those little tricks, how to get attention from a group, how to, you know, make everyone feel included, how to, uh, you know, disseminate information in an interesting way, those kinds of things. Yeah. I think I kind of honed the skills there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. And that's a hard audience. You have probably much easier audiences now. <laughs> They're so much easier now. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> For not being like, you know, rambunctious kids that would rather just be playing, you know, and I don't blame them. Um, now we're the rambunctious kids that are playing. So there's not like this sort of <laughs> trying to, uh, you know, rein everyone in. But no, it's, um, it's, yeah, yeah, I like both. But being with adults is a little bit more my, my speed, but I do enjoy still working with kids and I do occasionally still. Yeah, I was, I was reflecting on so yeah they're adults but they're also easier because they show up to be delighted yeah <laughs> which is such a privilege isn't it it's like oh, it's amazing yeah um they delight me yeah oh yeah and it's reciprocal that's wonderful too yeah. so are you doing a lot of teaching where you are now yeah well um yes yes and no um there i don't i don't sort of do it every day, but I, I have a weekly class that I'm teaching. Um, I'm here, I'm in Mexico at the moment and near Guadalajara. And 
I'm doing, it's a vocal freedom class that I'm doing weekly with a small group and we meet every week. And it's just been delightful to use that word, really, really beautiful. And then I'm also at, in the middle of teaching a seven week Hanuman Chalisa course where we meet weekly and um, everyone's on the track of learning this. For anyone who doesn't know, it's this epic 40 verse hymn to Hanuman, the uh, amazing monkey god that really represents service, devotion, love, courage, strength. And so that's what I'm doing right now as well. And then have some upcoming things. Well. I have really great memories of listening to people chant the Hanuman Chalisa. I've never learned it myself, but it's it's a very fun sound. Like the rhythm of it is super fun to listen to. Yeah, it's an amazing hymn. It's the, the meter is amazing. And there's all kinds of different versions. So you'll hear different melodies, like thousands of different kinds of different melodies. And yeah, it's 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 great. And I one of my versions is a very fast version. Uh, it's kind of like they call it a rap version, even though I never set out for it to be like that. But we don't start with that one in the course, just for anyone who wants to do it in the future. We do a slow version and then people can work up to the fast if they feel drawn to it. Yeah, that one's an, is that one online or, or in person? Online, yeah, which is great. You know, that, there's some real pluses to that because there's folks from Switzerland and Germany and US, Canada, Mexico, all in there together. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I love online classes. That's yeah, and in person ones too. But it's still kind of spoiled because we were doing the online for a couple years there, and I was like, I don't think I feel like driving somewhere and putting on real clothes. <laughs> it is a great option to have. For me personally, I mean, nothing can beat in person. But it can, you can get a. For me, it's a close second to be able to to do it online and, and it's you know actually it's just so amazing how energy can be transmitted among people and um and a feeling of connection and community mm. when we're online because really the this connection that like say that you and i have right now transcends time and space it's not actually of time and space it it, it appears there but it's beyond that so we can actually tap into it right now which we are and so yes so online can can really be a great option oh i like that yeah totally yeah when you're in when, when you, <laughs> just, wow that's very quantum <laughs> yeah it, it, yeah that's true it is <laughs> Um, when you're teaching in person there, are you having someone translate for you or how, do you know how to speak Spanish or? Yeah, I, well, I do speak Spanish, but it's, it's still fairly, it's still fairly basic. I can have conversations. I'm, I'm really working on, um, improving it where I'm, where I am right now, there's a lot of people speak English. And so I can't really keep blaming it on that. I mean, I need to knuckle down some more, but I, I do speak it. Um, and so in the, the class that I'm teaching right now, everyone speaks both English and Spanish. So we tend to do it mostly in English, although we're singing some Spanish songs and every once in a while we just start talking in Spanish, but most it's just uh, mainly in English. Okay. Yeah. So that's not uh, a barrier to entry there for you. That's yeah, it's not. And um, but my my goal, though, and I declared this to some friends because I'm playing with a lot of uh, Mexican musicians and we were all chatting and 
um, I was laughing at myself because they were all having this great conversation and it was very colloquial. And I was like, I have no idea what you guys are saying when you're talking that fast and I love it. I just want to, you know, hear you and, and just absorb it. But I did declare in one year's time, we're going to be sitting around this table and I'm going to understand everything. So I'm going to, I'm holding myself to that. I, I seem to have this conversation a lot, but like with, with the Spanish language, what's so interesting to me, because I mean, you can speak to somebody in England and it's fine. They have a different accent, maybe like a few words are different, but like Spanish is just, you know, so if you're staying in one area too, I think that that's a huge plus because then you can, you know, the language that you learn is the one that people are actually going to speak. Yes, yes, it's true. And it's interesting for me because I, the Spanish that I first started learning years ago was, uh, was Castellano, which is from Spain. Right. And um, so there's those differences just in terms of, you know, so the, 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 uh, you know, if, if I'm taught, no, I, I mean, I don't know if we want this podcast to be about Spanish language. <laughs> it can be about whatever. If you want to anyway, share whatever, exactly. you can though. <laughs> <laughs> in Spain, you know, if if you're speaking to two people, you use vosotros is the, and then here it's ustedes, and um, so in the, they have different endings, and so there's that kind of difference. But then there's a lot of the slang, and a lot of the colloquial phrases are different, and the accent is quite different, right? Because in Spain they use te y zeta, so the gracias. And here it's gracias. So little things, but basically it's it, you know it's the same language. So it's like the difference between American English and British English. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I had this like sort of joking realization, but I kind of wonder if it's true. If like one of the really main or most important like royals in Spain was born with a lisp and everybody just started like copying, you know, they like everybody had to talk that way. <laughs> and you know, whenever people say that, uh, I, I, I say, well, the way to know that that's not true is that um, think of the, if somebody had a lisp, they would also say the word for yes, which we know is C. They would say that with the lisp as well, but the S does not have the th, the th sound, but the C and the Z do. So th, th, or z, yeah, so um, so it, it kind of debunks it right away if you think about that. That's <laughs> true. Okay. Well, it was funny for yeah. a moment. It's a it's a funny one, and it's probably not true. Yeah. 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 So, are you? Uh, I saw that you're playing at a festival. Did that already happen, or? Is that coming up? Um, the one, oh, the what? The one here in in Mexico. Um, yeah, it has not yet. It's happening in two weeks, and it's it's yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, it some people who are watching might know of who Parangi is. Parangi, I, I first played with him in in Sedona years ago, and he is a very cool dude. Um, he's coming down and there's some other amazing artists and from Argentina, from Mexico and myself, and it's called Sonidos del Lago and it's Sounds of the Lake and it's, yeah, really looking forward to it. So it's kind of like the beginning of, even though festival season in the US and Europe doesn't really start until June, July, it, we're starting it here in March. So I'm like, yeah, festival season starting early. What is the... Um the theme of it, I guess, is it a, a yoga music festival or 
a music practice? Yeah, there's some yoga. It's it's very much about honoring the water and um, the lake. Um, the festival is going to be happening on the largest lake in Mexico. It's called Lake Chapala. And it's a beautiful, powerful lake. It's, you know, I feel like it's, it's you know, exists on a vortex. And, um, but there's some real issues with it too, because there's a lot of industry where the water is, um, you know, the pollutants will come into the water. And um, so it's, it's really about honoring it, finding ways that we can um, really help to improve the health of the lake and of water in general. And um, it's, again, it's just a beautiful opportunity too to come together to do that and also just to be in community and, you know, do some yoga. There is some yoga. It's not like, it's more a music fest. Um, and yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I've got some great players playing with me, so I'm excited. Do you get those from Mexico or are they coming from other places in the world? Yeah, they're my the musicians that are joining me are are from here and are like just fabulous. I have <laughs> I've been so blessed since I've been uh, visiting that you know the musicians that I'm playing with are just top-notch amazing players, so pretty lucky. Yeah. The the lake thing or the focusing on the water made me think of this documentary that I watched about the Coca Cola company in Mexico and the the impact that that's had on water and just on people's not consuming water really. Um, so yeah. it, that was really fascinating to me. Do you, I, I'm I'd like to see that. Yeah, it was like thirty minutes. It wasn't a huge a huge documentary, but if you remember the name of it, uh, send it to me. Yeah, I'll, I'll ask my partner because he he's the one who found it. But um, yeah, I don't remember the name of it. But it, yeah, it, it just talked about like how people's well, first of all, so the Coca Cola companies of you know, or just one company has come in and they use up a lot of the clean water and then they sort of push the you know the the bad stuff downstream, which is where the people live, and then that impacts the you know then they sell water, which is it's it's such a racket. It is. <laughs> It is. We'll just be blunt and say yeah. it absolutely. Yeah. Like so much, so much of what, uh, you know, corporate um, in intentions or their objectives are not are not so much about the health of the people yeah. very frequently. And we're seeing that more and more. And uh, yeah, and that's one example. So um, the more awareness, yeah, we can bring to this kind of thing. It, it's it's so important. There's so much power in just realizing these things. Yeah. It's not it's not just a bummer, you know, like it it's a bummer to hear it. Sometimes people don't want to know that this kind of stuff goes on, but it's like, no, it's actually quite liberating and enlivening to know the truth about things. And I think there's a lot of that coming to light. And so something like this. So I'd yeah, I'd love to see that. Yeah. Somebody's put a, an actual video out about it, a documentary. It's great. Yeah, no, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, it was more focused on the incorporation of coke into like ritual and how like almost deified coke has become in certain like what, what that was that was fascinating to me because I definitely didn't know about that. But yeah, like in certain shamanic rituals and things or even like like people who are having diabetes and will go to a shaman and they will recommend coca-cola to like you know rid the spirits and stuff it's just yeah it's really uh, yeah I mean, it's amazing how yeah like really powerful marketing campaigns can 
can go a really long way to completely delude communities, and especially if there are particular communities that don't have a high level of education, then it's maybe easier. But I, we can see, you know, now in the, in the world, people with a lot of education can also be deluded. We've all we've all succumbed to it at different times, and so it's like important to sort of see that. Absolutely, yeah. That's yeah. such a good point. I think that's why we're all kind of fascinated with cult documentaries right now, because it's like, oh my gosh, these really intelligent people, how does this happen? You know, it's like, I bet you've been duped too. Well, <laughs> we all, we absolutely all have, you know, it's, it's really amazing. And I think more and more people are starting to go, oh, okay, this is horrible that we've been so um, manipulated. Um, and how can we change it? What can we create that doesn't include, you know, subjugating other people or taking advantage of them? And just like it's exciting too to see the the way things are because then it's like, oh, and now now let's do this. Let's do it differently now. And that's I love that. And I can see that happening. Yeah. Totally. People are creating amazing things. So that is that is so true. Yes. Thank God. <laughs> We have it in us. You have a quote in your bio too from Ramdas. Did you have uh, like what sort of relationship did you have with uh, with him while he was alive? Ah, uh, well, it was it was brief. Our knowing each other was was brief, and it was really magical for me. I'll just tell you. I'll tell you a, a little story about how we met because it was feels like it was so divinely guided. I like to really give give credit to Neem Karoli Baba for this one. I think if for anyone who knows Maharaji Neem Karoli Baba, he was Ram Das's guru. And um, I feel a, a special connection with him as well as do a lot of people. It seems like he traverses, you know, a lot of different realms. And so people have um, this kind of the, a feeling that they, they know him and that he influences their life. And so um, I, I had a I have a friend who who told me one day he said I just I wanted you to know that my friend Adam Bauer who's a wonderful kirtan singer he said I just wanted you to know that RD Ramdas is list, knows your music and I'm like that's so cool like this was I don't know eight years ago nine years ago I thought that's great and and he said yeah that he had suggested my music to Ramdas and Ramdas said oh we already listened to her so it was quite exciting and um and I thought gee I wonder if you know if we could ever go and, and chant with him and um so I sent a message to um Kathleen to Dasima who was his his caregiver and I said, you know, I, I just wanted to put it out there that I would love to come share Kirtan. She wrote back. I remember the moment she wrote back. I remember I was sitting at a festival. I was in a car and I was like trying to get reception. You know, I couldn't get it on the site. And I'm, and I'm like, oh, because I saw her message come in. I'm like trying to read it. And, then, and or was it a voice message? I can't remember. But it was basically, he'd love to have you come. Uh, just let us know when you'd like to come. So I was just like, oh, this is amazing. And um, so John Decott and I, you probably know John, we were um, in Seattle playing. We were about to go probably a month later to Korea, Seoul, South Korea. So we had this idea, Hawaiian Air flies to, it does a stopover in Hawaii, and then it 
will go on to Seoul. So we bought a ticket and they, but they couldn't do a stopover on Maui. Mm -hmm. So I was really bummed. And I thought, well, I guess it wasn't meant to be that we could go see Ramdas. I get a call two weeks later from Hawaiian Air saying, we're sorry, we made a mistake. We, we did too short of a layover for you. We need to change your ticket. So I said, oh, well, this is pretty inconvenient, which I know people will see the side of me. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make this happen as if it was me making it happen. It was Maharaji. But anyway, I said, idea. <laughs> that's right. And I said, could you please, would it be possible to talk to your manager um, about letting us do a stopover on Maui? And um, he said, well, it's never happened before. We just don't do it. And I said, well, could you just ask? And he's like, okay, but I don't want you to get your hopes up. And I said, okay, I won't like whatever it is. But so he was gone for about 10 minutes and he came back and he said, he said, Ms. McMorrow, this is your lucky day. I've never seen this happen, but you've got to stop over on Maui. And um, so we ended up going. I, I wrote to them, I'm saying, this is the day. And they said, yes, come do a kirtan. It was a little private kirtan at the house. We went, we got to visit with him, sit with him for about an hour before just me and John and then just me. And it was so, it's just such a powerfully beautiful experience. We did a kirtan. He connected very much with the song Ananda Mai, which is one of my songs. And he called me over after and he told me that he met her, Ananda Mai Ma. And I was like, what? And he told me the story of of that, and that's that's when he said he um, you know said some really nice things about me and my music. And someone in the sangha said, you know, maybe you can you can let other people know that he has said this about you and your music. And so that's why we and the, he said yes. And so we include that in our in the bio and promotion and stuff. It's just like hey that was really really supportive of him and and beautiful to be able to share music and for him to say some kind words about it so that's why that you saw that quote yeah so can you tell me the ananda Ma i don't know who she is oh yes so ananda maima was a realized saint she um she i think she attained realization very early early in her life and um she would hold darshan she would speak but mostly she, because she would go into really deep abiding uh satori you know where she wouldn't give long discourses or anything people would come just to be in her energy i think she died in 1980 i might be wrong but she's an indian saint and um she uh she also did kirtans and um so she would sing and I have some recordings, actually, her great nephew, who lives now in Australia, sent me some CDs of, of her chanting, because the song that I, that I sing, Ananda Mai, it's called, was written by Sri Aurobindo and was written about, well, he wrote the words, um, and I wrote the melody, and he wrote it about her um, and the Divine Feminine in general. And so... That's sort of, it's given me a connection with people who are Ananda Maima devotees because of that, the, the, the way that that song 
really speaks to her and to the divine feminine in, in general. So yeah, yeah, you'll have to look her up. Really some, yeah, she was, and she was a very, um, very stunning looking person too. And there's some really beautiful pictures of her and you could just see like she had real physical beauty, but her, the power of her enlightened state just shone through. And so people, you know, she's one of, it's like the beautiful photo of Ramana Maharshi, you know, you could just gaze at it for a long time and really feel the energy through the photo. But yeah, she's a pretty special being. And so Ramdas had met her like yeah when he was really young like um she had given discourse at a um or darshan i guess we would call it at um a, an auditorium i don't know what town he was in but it's when he was in india um and he was with some people and they the the darshan ended and he was still standing with some people in the uh, empty auditorium and he said suddenly the door opened a door opened and it was her and she she walked out and he, he this is the beautiful thing that he said she glided across the floor like a deer that's what the wow. how he described it it was as if her feet didn't touch the ground and she stopped where they were and they were able to give her pranam and I don't know if she spoke or anything, but he said it was one of the highlights of his life was to be able to to meet her. I know. I thought, what a special story to hear. Yeah, especially yeah. like, do you, do you think he knew that song before he he heard you play it? I wonder. He might not have because he might not have even had that album of mine. I know they listened to the first album at the house. That's sort of, that's sort of so like I'm not sure if he heard. Thread that sort of like, you know, maybe guided you towards him or yeah, it was so it wasn't just Maharaji it was Ananda Maima too, I think, bringing so I just I, I when I think about the fact that I got to meet him just that one time that it was it was just so truly remarkable, like a remarkable moment for me in my life and in my my musical journey just oh and I was with John Ducott and Gina Salah and Daniel Paul. Um, they were all, they just happened to be on uh, on the island as well at that time so we all went and did a kirtan so there's videos of it on youtube it was really and you can see ramdas like enjoying himself and it's very fun maybe we can put the link in the show notes yeah if you'll send me the link i'll put that in the show notes so people can click on it and see it yeah That's fun I, when when I asked you about Ramdas and you started talking immediately, I was like, oh wow, I have like this one random Ramdas story that's so that's was so funny to me because I don't I've never met him. I only really know him from the videos that they would play at Bhakti Fest, and that was the really the first time I'd ever heard of him actually. Um, so I'm not like a super Ramdas buff or anything, but I really appreciate the things that I have heard him say. And um, but my I had a, f a friend in Phoenix who who was an older gentleman, and he was saying that. Um, I don't know if it was him or somebody that he knew, but went to go visit Ramdas on Maui, and they went to a restaurant. And this, and he was like raving about this amazing restaurant. You know, just Ramdas was like, this place is so, and it's so beautiful, and the food is so delicious. And they get there, and it's just like this really dingy diner. Right? <laughs> but but his perception of it was like so, you know, that it was so amazing, and there was like this stain on the wall that was like a mustard stain that I guess Ramdas um, 
was just in love with. He just loved the stain. So his friend ended up like framing it, like getting it off the wall. I don't know if they were remodeling or something, but he framed the mustard stain for him. I hope this is a true story, but anyway, this is the story that I have. And Ramdas was just like enamored by this mustard stain. I can imagine. I freaking love this story because Amazing. you could be literally enamored by anything. I mean, oh my God. Right? You could so see that. I could so see him just from the the little that I know of him personally, and then just of the th the way that he's uh, you know his teachings and his um, sharings. It's like yeah, I could see him just falling in love with that. That's <laughs> so cool. Yeah. So whether that's true or not, I still I really love that story. Um, yeah, yeah. So what are you up to next besides the uh, Lago, the um, Sonidas del yeah. Lago. Oh, we've been. Uh, Sonidas del Lago. Well, I am going to be coming to Canada in um, late, mid, late June. That's still in the works. And so I'll let people know about where I'll be playing when I'm there. I'll be in Ontario. And then in July, I'm going to be, I'm so excited, going back to the um, Kirtan Fest, Milwaukee. Okay. And um, David Newman will be playing, and Ragini, and Kada, and the beautiful a bunch of other beautiful musicians um, and acts. And so that's in just outside of Milwaukee. And then I fly right from there to Copenhagen, Denmark, and I'll be playing at a um, beautiful festival called Yoga Mela in um, Eslov south sweden and it's, it's so i fly to copenhagen and then we drive or we take the train and then drive the rest of the way um to eslov and to a place called divinia beautiful ashram there a south indian guru has a, an ashram in um oroville area pondicherry area in india and also in eslov sweden and they're and it's great um mirabai seba is playing at it um deva pramal and mitan um there are just ama some amazing artists. Jakob Weiss, who's a Jakob Weiss. I keep saying, wanting to say it the German way, but he's a Danish producer. And uh, we've done a couple songs, uh, singles together. And he'll be there, a lot of different beautiful people. And then um, it's still in the works. I'll be going to Spain to do uh, one or two events there, but it's still, still being confirmed. And then uh, probably come back uh, to Mexico. And um, I'm looking at going to Chile and South America in uh, in the fall. So, you know, it, it's all unfolding. It's it's just the adventure is amazing. <laughs> so it's just it feels great to be really on the move again. Yeah. You know, yeah. Of, still. Yeah. When you travel like oh. that. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just gonna say and I'm I, uh, some uh, new album is in the works too, but I can tell you more about that. Later. Um, when you're traveling like that, are you bringing your musicians with you or do you kind of have people in each location that you pull from? Yeah, I, I've been really lucky over the years of touring. I have like favorite musicians in, in so many different places. It's just, I feel oh. really blessed. So um, on these next couple um, trips, I'll just be working with people that I already know in the in the area. Yeah, so it's really fun. I get to reunite with these amazing people. 
And uh, I mean, sometimes I will travel as a group, um, you know, maybe two or three of us, but it, for these, these upcoming ones, I'll be um, just flying alone and then meeting up. Yeah, that's nice. I would imagine that that's really, in, in a sense, especially if you know them, takes a lot of the stress out of the, that, you know, it's like the calculation of like, okay, how can I make this worthwhile for everybody? And how many shows do I have to, you know, do I have to like book back to back? And so that's, that sounds like a really nice way to do it. It's true. It does make it a little easier and it makes it easier to indisperse larger events with smaller ones, because if every event had to be quite a big one in order to be able to afford to fly a lot of people, then you don't get to have like those little intimate concerts. Well, I mean, I guess you still could, but there's not as much of an income. Um, so if you can just meet up with one or two musicians in the town where you're doing a smaller event, uh, then it, it, it just makes the variations on the, on the event sizes more um, possible, you know, different, different, uh, different possibilities. <laughs> That's what I meant to say. I keep wanting to ask you about your necklace. Is there a story with that? It's very cool. Yes. Isn't it cool? Should I go a little closer? So this um, was I uh, here where, where I'm living near Guadalajara for a little while here. I there are some amazing artisans and jewelry makers, and this is made by an artist named Gonzalo. I don't know his last name, but he lives in Guadalajara and he um, goes to different markets. And I just bought this today. Oh, okay. Yeah, isn't that interesting? That for me. And you can kind of bend like the these little things bend. And I said to him this morning, I was looking at it going, whoa. I said, it looks like a <clears throat> undersea creature. And he was telling me that, yeah, sometimes people think it's like a cosmic creature. And we were talking about how this, the jewelry like art often and music is interpreted through the lens of the person who sees it, right? You know, so so for some reason I'm I'm connected with undersea creatures right now. <laughs> and then that's there. Yeah. Yeah. And the stone, I guess, is is jade, I think. No, it's not quite jade, but yeah, I should I gotta ask him again what the stone is. Yeah, it's really pretty. Glad you like it. Yes. Cool. Well, do you want to tell people how they can stay in touch with you? knowing I will have all this linked below so people can click on it easily, but just to hear it. <laughs> sure. Well, yeah, I mean, my website is brendamcmorrow.com. So it has um, all of the upcoming events and then links to my albums and um, links to Spotify and Apple Music, whatever way people listen to music, um, we'll link you there. But, you know, people can always just type in my name, Brenda McMorrow, wherever wherever music is found and they I should pop up and on Instagram too, just put in Brenda McMorrow and um, I'm there. I'm probably posting things on Instagram a little more than on Facebook, but still still doing those platforms. I'm really excited about the idea that there are going to be some new social media platforms appearing. I think oh, I'm, ready, I'm ready for some new ones. Yes. Some of us who are listening right now might also be ready for some others. Oh, I can <laughs> think. Yes, we are creating this right now. Absolutely. Yeah, like Absolutely. some new, like, I'm sure there's some things will be coming up. So, um, so we'll look at that. But for now, I'm grateful for those platforms uh, to be able to share um, information and, and just, you know, it's such a time where we're, we're all, it's like technology. This will be just a little footnote. 
kind of little divergence from what you asked, but um, technology can be, it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a concern as well as an amazing gift, right? It's like, how are we going to deal with how, how fast it's moving and changing with AI and everything? It's like, you know, there, but there are so many great benefits and then there's a lot that we have to be careful about. And part of that, part of what we have to be careful about is, well, there's so much, but is just how often we're on these devices and, and scrolling and doing all of, all of that. So, you know, balancing it out with time and nature and everything is great. So that all to say, go to my social media. <laughs> Don't spend too much time there. Well, especially if you go to her social media with purpose and you type it in so that it's not just like you're being fed whatever they think you should watch. That's really powerful. <laughs> that is cool. When we actually look for the things that give us inspiration and that bring us joy, yeah. right? Yeah. And that spend a nice amount of time. And what? But then you're using it as a tool as opposed to being used by it, right? That is that's so true. And really that's key, I think. Yeah, is to let let our let our hearts guide and not be, you know, and notice when we feel like we're being kind of taken over by something external to ourselves and be like, "Okay, that's enough." Go in, and go and like embrace a big tree or connect with a friend and yeah, get our feet on the earth. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, thank you, Brenda. And um, thank you thank all you. for listening. And we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. Thanks for <laughs> tuning into the podcast, y'all. Please like, subscribe, rate, comment, whatever the platform you listen to podcasts on offers you as a way to let its algorithm know that you're enjoying these episodes. That really helps. Also, there's some links in the podcast description notes that allow you to support the podcast in a way that benefits you and us. So please check those out. And if you'd like to stay in touch with me, you can sign up for my mailing list at portersinger.com. We'll see you in the next episode. Bye.